You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Allison Marshall. And I'm John Langlois. And you are listening to the special monthly Chi University episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 25th. Good morning, Horse World. Welcome to our once a month look at traditional Chinese veterinary medicine with the Chi University. Thank you for tuning in this morning. On the episode of the show this week, uh, John and I will be discussing traditional Chinese veterinary medicine in general, which we often refer to as TCVM. And we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be talking about how and when to call on a practitioner, how you find somebody that does this crazy medicine, um, how you can uh, figure out um, when you might need somebody like that and what types of cases respond really well to TCVM either by itself or in conjunction with mainstream medicine. And after that, we will be talking about some dermatology cases and some specific situations where John and I have both used TCVM to treat skin problems. Okay, great. So what we want to do is, uh, I call it the how, when, and why would we contact or get in touch with or seek out a TCVM practitioner. And so I think this is an important uh, thing for all the equestrians to, you know, to take a look at, to consider um, what situations present such that I want to go ahead and consult with someone who understands TCVM medicine in an alternative way or a complementary way to what you're getting perhaps from your Western veterinarian. So I think it's an important thing. We're going to kind of go through uh, the first part of it would be is to, is to, you know, how do we actually find a TCVM practitioner? And I think a lot of times we hear from, again, equestrians, owners, trainers, there's nobody in my area that does this, so I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to reach out to someone to help me with maybe giving consideration to consulting. So um, I want to talk to you about, you know, if you are in an area where there are TCVM practitioners, it's certainly a lot easier for you. You can do word of mouth, you know, from from other uh, clients, not clients, but uh, other farms, other equestrian friends or anyone in the horse industry that might say, well, listen, I have had an experience with that and this is who I worked with and maybe you can reach out to them. So that's one way. And if you have hospitals in your area that uh, have a number of uh, veterinarians associated with the hospital, oftentimes, and it's much more in vogue now than in the past that they'll have a specialist on staff that will um, have been through TCVM training in one way or another and can, um, you know, maybe reach out uh, to you in your area. So that's another thing um, that you might look at. And again, if you're not necessarily in an area with hospitals and you're not necessarily in an area with a TCVM practitioner, you can go to the Chi University, and I'm going to walk you through those steps to try to uh, see because the Chi University offers in their in their website uh, what they call the Vet Finder, 
And this vet finder is a way to be able to look in your area based on your city and or your zip code to say, are there any trained TCVM practitioners uh, around your area or within a certain distance of your area that they may be willing to travel to see you? So I'm going to walk through these steps um, to, to help you to have uh, to get to use the uh, website at the Chi University to find. And I've used this many times when uh, clients or so have, have someone they're either moving to a new area or they have a friend and they want to figure out how can we get somebody for that? Well, this is the way to do it. So when you Google Chi University, it's going to pop up and you're going to see a little uh, click on for the website. So you go on the website and when you're there, if you look, there's three top categories. And the top one in the middle says um, continuing education. You want to click on that. And then when continuing education comes up, you'll hit resources. And that'll take you into the area where you'll see another prompt to go to Chi Vet Finder. And when you get there, basically you'll see a little kind of a um, block area, a small one that says, okay, what is your location and how many miles? So all you do is you can put in your city, you can put in your zip code and how many miles do you want to look? I typically go 50 miles and kind of see what I have. And what we'll do is it will pull up your uh, veterinarians in the area that are specialized and it'll actually list their disciplines, whether they're trained in uh, acupuncture or they're trained in food therapy or Twena or any of the other disciplines of veterinary TCV TCVM, you can kind of decide for yourself. A lot of times, if I don't know the person or I don't know um, which one out of multiple choices, I may go ahead and contact the university and say, do you have a recommendation for my area? I have many uh, different veterinarians and that may also help you. But um, this then gets you to it. And once you've found a practitioner that you want to investigate, just click on their name and then your, their information will pull up, which will give you how to contact them via phone, via email, and then you're off to the races. So, um, like I said, if, if you have this, you can back up and go forward and make notes to, to do this. I would urge you to, because it's a great resource that the university provides and helps you bridge that, that, um, gap between uh, wanting to have someone in TCVM consult with you and then having someone that's actually available to you. Often when I, when I send people to the vet finder at the Chi website, it is um, like, I will put myself out there. I didn't get certified. I didn't finish my certification for like five years after um, I actually took the basic acupuncture course. So there's all kinds of categories of, are they certified in acupuncture? Are they certified in herbs? And um, I would certainly say that that is not always um, kept up to date, number one. And number two, I would also offer that people who have furthered their education based on the website in herbs or tweena or food therapy or all that, you know, 
the further that they've gone in thinking about TCVM as a practice, they're probably using it more in their practice um, and would be a great starting place anyway, as far as trying to find somebody, I think, in a certain area. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, so in the same way with, with myself, I finished my certification course in 2008 and I became certified in 2017. And that was because I entered the master's program and I told Dr. Shea, I don't think you want me in a master's program as an uncertified CVA or certified veterinary acupuncturist. So I got mine very late too. But um, certainly once you establish a dialogue, you'll get a feeling for, you know, whether that practitioner, number one, wants to engage you in a good way and what their credentials are. Well, and I think that begs the question or, or brings up the topic as well that I have, I've been um, I have had my own chiropractic and acupuncture practice for 18 years now doing TCVM and adjusting and myofascial release. And just last year, I let my website lapse. I just, I, instead of the $2,000 every three years thing through GoDaddy, I'm now down to free or $200 a month or whatever. So much of it, of our, of our horse world is by word of mouth. So many people, you know, I think go by what their friends tell them way more than they do by just credentials, which, you know, I think there's, there's merit to that for sure. I don't know what you find in the Ocala area, but for certainly in the Virginia, Maryland area, um, I don't, I don't think that, I think that horse owners don't have time to be online that often. <laughs> yeah, and I think that this this approach to the Chi University is really for more for those that are in areas where they just don't have um, a lot of TCVM practitioners or any, sure. and sure. uh, you know need some other way to do it because word of mouth isn't there for them. So yeah, but in our in the concentrated areas, it's usually not a problem. No, I totally agree with that. I, I didn't mean to say an um, if then. I was kind of making it an and, not an if or not a but. But right. uh, lots of different ways of doing that. And I just, I think it's kind of exciting. You, I've been teaching there since 2010. I think you've been teaching there at least that long. Yep. And um, it's really fun to see a lot of our students go on and do really well in other areas. And just like you said, sometimes referral hospitals um, will start to have, you know, TC. CVM practitioners. I mean, Hager Davidson and McGee has got a very well-known practitioner on their staff that's been there for a long time. And I think that's exciting to see that some of these more Western medicine thought process, super scientific referral hospitals are actually seeing the merit in the integrative medicine that um, they see the power in all of that. And uh, I don't. I don't know if um, you remember Dr. Shea's story about how he really got started, which was at University of Florida with the dear Dr. Al Merritt, who was one of my favorite professors. But same um, mine. Yours too. Yes. Yeah. So you know, it, for for Dr. Merritt to have an open enough mind to invite Dr. Shea in to treat a case, you know, it, it, that was in the hospital. You think about the liability associated with that. Um, that's pretty pretty interesting and pretty neat. And I think there's more and more science behind the TCVMs, which helps the mainstream only practitioners feel more integrated about the approach, I think. Well, I think, and too, the, you know, the equestrian uh, person is now pretty savvy on the idea that TCVM is complementary and it's a good thing. And you'll find most of the hospitals that I relate to They've already got somebody on board and they have actually sponsored 
an intern or someone in their practice to take this course and paid for it because they recognize the importance of having this integration into their hospital setting because clients want it. And I've gone into a number of hospitals consulting when before they uh, got a specialist on board and um, it was well, well received. Yeah, that's really, really exciting, I think. We'll move on to um, the next part of this introduction is when do you seek a TCVM practitioner? You know, what, what's, what conditions are going on that might say, you know, ring a bell to say, gee whiz, maybe I should go ahead and get someone else looking at this horse for me. And so uh, my answer for when do I do it, you do it anytime for any condition. And that's not to say that TCVM, you know, is the panacea for all things, but it's complementary. So some of these things I'll list here just briefly for you that are common equine uh, conditions or diseases. And, and you think, well, gee, I, I, I have a condylar fracture in a horse that was in performance. Do I really want to contact a TCVM practitioner for that? My answer is absolutely yes. It may not be your first phone call, but the process of healing is going to be complementary by using TCVM. Same thing for bowed tendons, colic, skin diseases, which we'll elaborate later today, lameness, reproduction, metabolic conditions like thyroid imbalances, Cushing's, EPM, non-sweating. It seems like about this time of year in Florida, we get probably three out of five calls that I get are based on horses not sweating. And with 100 degrees plus and high humidity, so common nose bleeding, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I urge you whenever you have a horse that has a condition, and we'll talk about this a little bit later when we discuss our case of the importance of getting on these things early rather than, you know, the fire engine medicine where you've exhausted every possibility. And then we're calling the TCVM practitioner to try and do um, what has become chronic and much more difficult. So I want to try and get in the mindset that let's let's do it early and let's just see. You may not be involved in the initial stages of, of like I say, or a fracture or a bowed tendon, but perhaps um, somewhere during the process in order to um, facilitate healing, that's where you'll want to go. So well, and when, I think when, that's an important thing to bring up because yeah. a lot of those topics, a lot of the things that you mentioned have both acute, which means right away, it's it's an emergency. We have subacute, which is a day or two after that. And then we have chronic, which is kind of long term. And I think it's important to be able to assess, you know, if you have a fracture that you just found standing in the field, I think your first call would not be to a TCVM practitioner. So let's say you found something that is um, platable or splintable or, you know, some kind of a, a bony fracture that initially you might take to Western medicine to to do the fire engine medicine, as I would say. But I think down the long term, there are fabulous Chinese herbs for bone healing that can speed bone healing along. There are fabulous Chinese herbs for arthritic stuff. If there happens to be a joint involved in all of that, there's, you know, acupuncture helps kill pain. Certainly with um, fracture issues with horses, one of the biggest issues is that they don't use that limb and they founder in the other limbs. So I think those are the kind of things that the Chinese medicine is very, you know, really has a place in 
augmenting our Western medicine. And I, I think it's, you know, we live in America, and I think I've heard uh, Dr. Shea say this upon many occasions, is that in the very first call of something that's bleeding out or fracturing or that sort of thing, you know, the Western medicine is is because we live in America, that's first choice. That's the first response. And it often has powers to get that under control a little more um, quickly than maybe TCVM. Now, John, you and I both know that there are really neat stop the bleeding points. There are really neat points in acupuncture that are specifically for those I would call fire engine medicine cases. But, um, how how do you how do you think about that? Do you think that that's all accurate? No, I agree, and that's why you know many of my clients they're already got it in their mindset that you know if I've got something going on, um, you, you know they already know how to integrate that with me. Um, but still, there are clients that you know they have let's say they they have thoroughbred racehorses that are bleeding. Um, they'll go through all of the possibilities until they probably don't get the results that they want. So they'll contact me and say, do you have anything for bleeding? Mm -hmm. I said, absolutely. We have a multitude of processes that we can do. So that's another part there is that when current treatment approaches are not providing the results that you want, think about contacting a TCVM practitioner to say, okay, wait, I want to get some other opinions. I want to get some other thoughts on what I might be able to do. And I rarely have a situation where I'll recommend something to a client to be complimentary to what they're doing, where they say, no, I don't want to do that. So um, it's just no, you know, when they're not going as, as well as you'd like, uh, when you're seeing, then th- that's, that's a red flag to say, let's go ahead to contact a TCVM practitioner and at least listen and see what they have to offer. And before we go any further, for those um, horse owners out there that don't really understand bleeding in racehorses, do you want to kind of um, maybe talk through your experience with that, with both Western medicine and why that's important and the the Eastern medicine, the herbs and stuff like that? You want to just elaborate on that particular situation since you mentioned it? Well, briefly, what we understand when horses have... Uh, epistaxis or bleeding from the nose, it's usually a, a condition where they have heat. Okay, so they have heat in their lungs. And so that heat has to come, has to cool somehow. And the we use this a lot in our TCVM work that we'll go ahead and bleed a horse on purpose, whether it be around the feet or other areas to get the heat out. So this is a cooling process. So in that case, the body normally is trying to cool itself so it bleeds. So in our, our job as TCVM practitioners in that case is to balance the body so that heat is no longer there. We can do that through a process of acupuncture and herbal and also through um, a, a specific uh, food approach, which would help cool the body. So that's where we are as opposed to just treating a symptom. We're actually trying to put the body in balance. And we'll talk some more about this in a little bit about really what TCVM does as opposed to what typically Western medicine and how they approach it. And if you've had an experience before, like my clients, to where they've done something with TCVM and it's worked, that's easy. They go right to it. If you haven't, consider it. So what's the last situation where you have had somebody say, 
you prescribed stomach happy, which is an herb for stomach ulcers, um, for my friend's horse. And I want to try some of that because my horse struggles with that too. That's kind of what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Well, um, you want to give some, I've had a lot of situations in my practice where, you know, Western medicine has already worked it up. They have gone and, uh, you know, looked at various, uh, diagnostic approaches where they've done ultrasounds or they've done radiographs or everything. And they really don't have the definitive answer. So oftentimes I get called in in that light and I say, okay, well, let's see if we can figure it out. And many times we can, or I can, and say, okay, let's look at this a little bit more deeply, a little more carefully. The latest case was in the cervical, in the lower part of the neck. Didn't get it on exam, didn't get it on radiograph, but I got it on my exam. So I kind of asked them to go a little bit deeper, do a little bit more diagnostics, and lo and behold, there it is. So I think I love the idea, and if you look at Dr. Shea's approach to this uh, TCVM medicine, it is a marriage between Western medicine and Eastern medicine. And we approach it that way. We have so much better uh, respect for one another's work. We have so much better opportunity for complementary working together and get the best results possible. Well, and I always find those cases actually exciting. If I have had, I like when my patients or my clients have taken their horse to um, a, a good practice that will work up the problem and comes up with nothing. Because as you and I've learned with Chinese medicine, there is things happen at an energetic level of imbalance before they become physical. And what I explain to my clients is that before you get arthritis, you have inflammation in the joint and an x-ray doesn't pick that up. You know, ultrasound often doesn't pick that up, but traditional Chinese medicine can treat that sort of thing with clinical signs, with the tongue and pulse diagnosis. I find that it is so much easier to fix an animal that is having problems but has no diagnosis. And I think that really bears saying too, because people would listen to a lecture on Chinese medicine and say, well, I don't know what my horse's problem is. So I can't use acupuncture because they need to know what the problem is first. And I, I think actually that's one of the huge strengths of holistic, uh, the holistic approach is that we can use that to rebalance the body and golly day, the skin gets better and the soundness gets better and they carry themselves better and it helps the whole body and not just what seems to be the primary problem like you kind of talked about. So I find those types of cases very exciting because I love it if it all of that's already been ruled out. You know, I, I would I would hate to use Chinese medicine in the event of I could potentially make something worse by making the horse more comfortable. So I love when Western medicine has kind of gone through all the diagnostics. I don't know how you feel about that, but... Uh, yeah, so it's a marriage. And so the last little segment, we've already started a bit on that, would be why would you choose a TCVM practitioner? And the 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 answer is, you know, there's a there's a word that's being used uh, pretty much uh, common common any day every day is the word is holistic. And when people hear that now, there's a really good bell that gets rung, meaning that hmm. oh my, I'm going to get a look at this thing from uh, you know a, a number of different directions, not just one. Hmm. And so TCBM looks at it globally, looks at the entire body. Um, whereas vet, veteran, um, Western medicine tends to look at a kind of a microcosmic look. So the holistic is looking at the whole body balance. And that's 
really all that we try to do in TCVM is understand the imbalance or the disharmony and then correct the imbalance or disharmony. To share real quick that is very simple, but it said that Chinese medicine, the disease is not viewed as something a horse has, but something the horse is. Meaning we're looking at that horse from a whole perspective of everything considered, not just that it has a skin lesion over the withers. Okay, we're looking at why is that skin lesion? What's the root of that problem? What is the imbalance that's going on that put it there in the first place? Whereas we're only going after treating the symptoms, let's put all kind of powders on that, let's get rid of that. Um, most cases, when that approach takes place, it comes back. Okay, it doesn't get dealt with in a, in a sense of what is the root of the problem. So that's where that's where TCVM goes. I can tell you that there have been times where um, I have been asked to, when I was a, a baby TCVM practitioner, when I've been asked to treat, um, I did a little bit of dog, so I'll use the first case that I can think of, was a rescue greyhound that came to me with a dressage horse. And every time I worked on the dressage horse, um, you know, to keep it tuned up, so I would see it quarterly probably, the woman would bring her greyhound along. And it had a carpus, which is the wrist area, and an elbow and a shoulder, and the radiographs all looked like the bombs went off in them. They looked terrible. So I would put needles all around those areas in specific. And then one day that when I was rushed for time, as we all find ourselves once in a while, and I quickly looked at the dog's tongue and did the pulse diagnosis, and I treated him for something called kidney yang deficiency, which is kind of a, a cold pattern in the body. And she looked at me and she said, you're not going to needle around all of his joints. And I said, nope, not today. And she called me about three days later and she said, I don't know what you've done. She said differently, she said, but this dog is better than any other time you've treated him. So that's kind of the power illustrated of, of TCVM and Chinese medicine is that it does look like the, at the global body balance and sometimes re-establishing more body balance actually treats our symptomatic issues better. Does that make sense? I hope I made, I made that kind of clear. We're treating the whole body. And I just a quick share, when you're talking about the importance of tongue and pulse, I remember I had the privilege of getting a, a reading from the chief physician of the Dalai Lama many years ago. Hmm. And he looked at me and he said, uh, can I have some urine? And I also want to do your tongue and pulse. So he looked at the urine. He did tongue and pulse. He had a diagnosis in 45 seconds and I was out of there. And he was right on the money. The symptom, he, he gave me herbal and that improved tremendously what I was experiencing. So when you see a TCBM practitioner focusing on the tongue and the pulse, they're really doing a lot to try and understand what is going on. Was that before you were certified or had acupuncture experience or was that? Yes. After? This is back in the eighties. That's so cool. Man, I don't remember the eighties, John. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Are you a veterinarian or a veterinary student looking to take your practice to new heights? Look no further than Qi University, the renowned institution for traditional Chinese veterinary medicine education. Founded in Reddick, Florida in 1998, 
Chi University provides top-quality continuing education courses and academic programs exclusively for veterinarians. Chi University offers an extensive range of programs to enhance your skills in patient care, including veterinary acupuncture, canine and equine rehabilitation, and medical spinal manipulation. Looking to pursue advanced studies? Two master's degree programs provide a rigorous curriculum for those seeking in-depth knowledge and specialization in TCVM and integrative veterinary medicine. Ready to take the next step? Visit chiu.edu. That's chiu.edu. To learn more and start your journey. Whether you're a seasoned veterinarian or a passionate veterinary student, Chi University is here to empower you and equip you with the tools you need to make an even bigger difference in the lives of your patients. Welcome back for the second half of our illustrious uh, July podcast. We're going to be talking about skin disease in horses. Dr. Langwa and I have treated lots of skin disease and it is a very, uh, it can be a very difficult thing to work with both with Western medicine and with Eastern medicine. Um, I, it, in general, traditional Chinese veterinary medicine has a success rate of about 80%. And so when we say success, often that means improvement. Sometimes that means management. Sometimes that means 100% improvement. And I've had some pretty miraculous um, improvements with skin problems in horses. And as a matter of fact, I've had practitioners in my area refer skin cases to me because I think that Chinese medicine actually has a lot of better answers than um, than our traditional medicine. So skin, the skin of any animal, the hair coat, the hoof quality, that is the body's advertisement as to how healthy the horse is on the inside. And so Dapples are a wonderful thing to look at. I think that I certainly paid attention to that when I was a regular vet, but I feel as though I use it in my exam and I use indicators like that to really help me when I'm seeing a horse for skin or sometimes even if I'm not, if I'm seeing a horse for other things and the skin is an issue, that can give me clues as to how to better balance the entire body for all of those conditions. So in general, when I see a skin case, I have found that acupuncture helps, but what I choose is um, herbal medicine and food therapy. And so food therapy is this weird branch of Chinese medicine um, that literally believes in all of the energetics of food. So um, there are five branches of Chinese medicine. We might as well talk about that. Um, acupuncture is one of them. Herbs are another. We talk about that all the time. Food therapy is one. And, um, oh, what am I missing? Twina. Twina, thank you. And so Twina is, it's, a, it's something that means push-pull in Chinese medicine. Um, and it's almost a, a form of body work and it, it ends up behaving like chiropractic. I use it regularly as chiropractic and with my chiropractic. And that's four branches for animals. But the fifth branch in humans is Qigong or like the motion um, medicine of, of the, all the people practice in the parks in the morning and that sort of thing. So you can take a problem such as skin and you can use all of these different things, all of these different methods in Chinese medicine to solve them. And you can use any problem and use all of those branches. But I find that with skin issues, 
for sure picking the right herbal medicine and um, using food therapy. Food therapy is about half as powerful as herbs. And that's pretty powerful when you think about it and pretty inexpensive when you think about it. So I don't know, John, do you use a lot of food therapy in your skin cases? I do. And the reason is, um, is that in typically these skin cases, the animal is warm or hot. So a lot of the main energetics of food are centered around the idea of what is the temperature of that food? Does it create heat? (laughs) If you eat shrimp, you're going to get warmer. If you eat oats, you're going to get warmer. Uh, And if you eat cucumber and if you eat uh, watermelon wine, you're going to get cooler. Have these animals that are hot or warm, give them the foods, change their diet up, perhaps offer supplements that are cooling to the body. It's a simple, simple concept. Well, and something that I found really eye-opening when I took the food therapy class is processing creates heat in food. Well, golly, we all know processed food isn't good for us. Well, what is grain? What is processed horse feed? Well, golly, that's processed too. And I think I have heard uh, the theory that that's why racehorses have lung issues and bleed so much is that they're on 12 pounds of grain a day and they have to maintain that for the work they do. But the amount of heat that goes into their body and damages their lung tissues and affects their hoof quality and that sort of thing is pretty mind boggling. So what we ingest is definitely creates heat, can create cooling, and it's wonderful to treat the body from the inside out. Yeah, and I found, you know, we have lots of options if we're looking for foods to cool. Um, I let the horse choose. You know, we give them multiple choices and say, which one is more palatable? Which one is right for you? And when they choose that one, that's what they get. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I, uh, I Celery, as I was saying, was one of my favorites because not only is it cooling, but it's a bit of a liver cleanse. And a lot of times they'll eat the leaves. Um, but there's a whole branch of that that I really um, believe in for sure. Barley and flax are probably a mainstay that I think I've, I think I did 14 horses this morning and I bet I recommended those to one or the other or both to about five of those. So I use that a lot in, in barley it is one of those things. This is a foreign concept probably to non TCVM people, but the damp conditions in Florida and here in Virginia, in many parts of the world, the humidity actually creates skin problems. A lot of people will notice that their hot oriented skin problems will get worse in the rain. They get worse in damp weather, whether it's cold or hot. And barley actually treats dampness that dries up the dampness in the body. So, and it's cooling. So I, I find that, uh, I think we get, I think they can get um, steam crimped barley up here, but uh, I, I use that a ton for my skin problems. Yeah. And another thing that's important when we're dealing with these skin cases is same way in Western medicine that the disease process has many different levels. It can be on the surface yes. or it can go down very deep. Yep. It's up, something you would see maybe as a first, uh, a first thing that's going awry with a horse is maybe some hives, um, whatever it might be, whether it's from uh, rain that happened a number of days in a row or a sensitivity in the stall to something or a sensitivity in an environment. Mm-hmm. Well, this is an easy thing for us to fix and, and address because it's on the, it's a superficial level. We should clear it easy. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and I've had several skin cases, and one that I'll mention a little bit, um, that we actually have bleeding in the skin 
that's down to a much deeper level. That requires a lot more effort and a lot more significantly stronger herbs and approach. So I just urge everyone, when you've got a skin problem, address it early. And then we can talk to a little bit about the importance of seeing your TCVM practitioner to, to do prevention. That's the best. Well, for sure. And and we I think we've said this before in the podcast, but it bears repeating that any medicine is more effective if we jump on things rather than um, let them go and sort of watch them get worse. So it, TCVM is much more powerful when it's at the hive level, when it's at the, you know, itchy, itchy level, seasonal level, all that kind of thing. It, it's much easier to fix that. And for me, I have found that, and this was wise, one of my wise teachers at the Chi University told me this, if it takes four years to make bad skin, even if it's seasonal, it's been four summers long, it's going to take at least two summers to fix that completely. So, you know, I do think that skin is challenging only because I think the imbalances happen before the skin shows its face, if that makes any sense. And so patience is of the utmost importance when you're treating skin in particular. And um, small improvements are the best thing, you know, just the most wonderful thing you can ask for. I would certainly say that I've had four-year-long skin cases improve in one year, but um, sometimes it takes a little bit with both herbs and food. Well, you know, a lot of times when the first skin condition comes up, many, many equestrians reach to what they know, and that is what they've been shown through Western medicine. And there's some right. pharmaceuticals that they'll get to try and uh, fix the skin condition. And I think all good, but just remember those pharmaceuticals are synthetically made, so they're hotter than most other uh, Chinese herbs, even though some are hot, some are neutral, some are cool. But those that hotness just adds to the concern. So, for sure, um, like I say, reach out to the TCVM in a skin condition early to try and get that um, that uh, cooperation with the two medicines. So one uh, one of my most memorable cases was a really interesting horse uh, in this area, and I would say it's from the days of back when I was more of a baby practitioner, and I had a very classy um, show hunter horse that one of the other vets in my area who actually does chiropractic and acupuncture, but he doesn't really do the TCVM level of, um, of Chinese medicine, but he referred the horse to me for herbs and acupuncture for his skin. And when I spoke to the lady, I had, I diagnosed the horse, just like you said, with a heat pattern. And that horse had huge red areas and they call those excoriations in veterinary medicine, but huge red areas along his neck, right where the, the rider's leg would sit. And then all down his, like right in the middle of his croup area and down his backside. And they were red and angry, obviously hairless. And I said to the woman, well, I'd like to put him on two different herbs and that's going to be kind of expensive. So it's probably going to run you about $300 a month. And she said, it's okay. She said, I can't sell him the way he is and I can't ride him the way he is. So just fix him. <laughs> so that was nice to hear. And um, we did just pretty much do herbs. And of course, I came back to check on him. Some of the herbs to alleviate 
heat in the body and in the liver are so cold that they bear monitoring. So you can overdo it and you can chill the body off too much. I think this horse was an eight-year-old, either thoroughbred or thoroughbred cross. And uh, so I, w I came back um, probably after the first three or four weeks at the first uh, t go around and um, his, his red areas had paled. They were still hairless and they were still... Um, uh, excoriated, I guess you would say, but the redness was going out, which told me the heat was going out. And I think over the six months time um, that I saw him, and this was also going into the summer, which was his worst time of year. So as we progressed into the summer, I think we started in February in Virginia. Um, he just kept getting better and better. And I, this is, this might be um, an interesting perspective, but the the mainstream veterinarians had put him on some allergy shots and the owner told me, she said, well, she said, I, he was bad for two summers in a row, but he would clear up in the winter time. And once he started the allergy shots that second summer, he never cleared in the winter time. And it is ironically a philosophy of Chinese medicine that vaccination also adds heat to the body. And I explained that to her and she said, um, I don't feel good taking him off these allergy shots because, you know, I really want to follow the other veterinarian's advice. And I said, that's fine. You know, I understand that you're between a rock and a hard place and you want, you know, you've got conflicting things. So we, so as we went along into that summer and he got to be improving on the herbal formulas that I recommended for heat in particular and to sort of supplement his blood, which is also another concept of Chinese medicine, um, two different herbals. But as he went along, um, she gently weaned him off of the allergy shots and she felt more comfortable doing that so he was a he was a winner of a case and he ended up doing great for her name was derby how many horses are named derby <laughs> yeah and so that's um th that's it and sometimes it becomes a dance you know that we want to do the right it thing and be. blend the medicines and oftentimes a client that has a skin problem they say well should I go ahead and get some cultures and biopsies? Should I, right. uh, you know, should I do the allergy assessment? And I'm, I'm open to the more information that I can get in that particular case, the better I'm going to be. So I never say I don't do those things. If they want to do them, please do. That's added to the understanding of what's going on. Right. There are some skin conditions that involve immune mediated diseases and a little bit more difficult, a little bit more, um, uh, involved. So whatever information I can get from a Western perspective, I welcome. Right. And I, I would agree with you. And I'm chuckling while you're saying that because I can't think of a good example, but I've had people say, well, what did Chinese medicine say about, you know, EPM or this cellular diagnosis? And the thing that also I think brings power to that medicine is that they didn't have microscopes back then. They looked at the global body. So whereas some of the information that we get from our biopsies and those sorts of things, I mean, if it's parasitic, it's super important to treat the parasites and it will be, it will improve greatly. Your TCVM will be stronger if you get the parasites out of the skin. But, um, those kind of things, it's very interesting to integrate because in some ways you can think about using the diagnostics in other ways 
Chinese medicine didn't have a diagnosis for something at a, you know, cellular level. They just looked at the whole body. So marrying the two together is a lot of fun in my humble yeah, opinion. Yeah. And just adding to that, they didn't understand bacteria. They didn't understand right. viruses. They didn't understand right. fungi. They had no idea what those were. Right. And yet they were still successfully treating a skin case. Amen. That's exactly right. For sure. So uh, just a little bit of chat about uh, my uh, skin case. This was back in 2017. And I presented this one as a food therapy for my master's program and also as a skin disease for uh, the dermatology section or the uh, herbals for my master's. So it was a great case, a lovely horse. He's 17. His name was Cooper, and he was a paint horse that he used to pony the young thoroughbreds to try and uh, you know, give a calming effect when they were trying to be bucking and kicking and going, not understanding what was going on. He provided an earth type, a little earth metal type. So he was very easygoing, um, didn't get excited. So they, that was a, a, a good example for them to see. You know, we, we saw that his skin was hot and he had these crusts and he had uh, itchiness going out in various areas of his body. So I diagnosed him with a, a wind heat and wind in TCVM is an external pathogen that comes about and enters the skin and it causes itchiness. So, and then the liver blood deficiency, which is also part of his diagnosis, is evidenced by cracked hooves, dandruff, dry skin. So these are our patterns. I put him on a specific herbal called wind toxin formula, which is designed to treat those, uh, those symptoms that we're seeing. And so I went and saw him for quite a number of uh, treatments. I think I had six or seven over a period of several months. And I also did acupuncture with him each time because I felt like it could be complimentary. So I did acupuncture and I did his herbal, we came back and he showed a little bit of improvement, not a lot, uh, in a two-week period. I came back two weeks later, his hair was kind of coming back. He was about 40% improved. And one of the things that we have to understand in our approaches with these herbal cases and skin casing, we have to be patient. We're going to move forward. We're going to be successful, but it doesn't happen like a butte shot. He's better um, in a few hours. It takes time. So what I did then is I begin to say, okay, let's address his food. So he's getting a heavy concentration of sweet feed and a lot of different supplements in his, his food. He had Farrier's formula, Cosequin, so on and so forth. So I went about a process of reducing. I eliminated his grains um, and got a lower glycemic index. Uh, I gave him rice bran, wheat bran to cool, flaxseed to cool, Soybean oil and sesame oil. Sesame oil I love because it's anti-inflammatory. So I started to make these herbal changes, I mean, these dietary changes, and boy, he came around faster and faster. By fe middle February, he was 60% improved. I also added on some of those cooling foods we mentioned, watermelon rind, cucumber, apples, and carrots. And uh, I changed them up a little bit to another herb called Siwu Zhaofang, which is there to go ahead and support the blood and to cut back on the itching. These are approaches that we take. And just a long story short, because I want to talk to you briefly about part two of this case. He went on to do beautifully for almost uh, eight or nine months. He was really, really good through that process. And we slowly took him off the herbs, maintained that dietary change, and he was good. So he came back then in August of 2017, very itchy again. Here it is coming back. 
And I went through the same process. He had a liver blood problem and a yin deficiency, meaning that he did not have enough air conditioning. So he was starting to get warm. He was starting to uh, show signs of some dampness, some ooziness in those crusts. And then he went, decided that he'd wanted to become a non-sweater. So oftentimes when we have these horses that are not cooling out well, they're a little indeficient, they don't have enough air conditioner, they may go on into becoming full-blown uh, or partial non-sweaters. You know, we, we did put them on a little bit of dexamethasone integrating and say, let's try this for a little bit to get it to be in a place where we can work at it better. So I gave him a little dexamethasone for a few treatments and then took him off of that and went back to our approach. Um, so moving along in this case, I did acupuncture, um, but he was he started to get skin disease that was showing these bloody lesions just below the carpus and just below the, the, the tarsus or the hock. And I have a colleague that calls that tooth acupuncture. So his itches, he's so itchy there in that area. He's taking his teeth and he's making the wounds worse than they really are. So he's adding to the problem. So we put him in bandages, use some topical medications. Um, and this, this inability to cool became more and more. And I'm going to kind of just give it, give it a wrap to say that this horse went on to have significant problems. We cleared up his skin beautifully. I put him on a deep uh, blood heat formula to try and get to that deeper level. Did good. Several months later, he developed laminitis, which was um, quite, uh, I didn't anticipate that was coming. We ran some blood tests and found out that he was cushionoid. He had uh, problems with insulin. Um, so all of this was underlying in this horse. And that's what presents a lot of challenges for us as TCVM practitioners is we might see the skin condition, but there's oftentimes a lot of underlying other issues that are going on. And I have frankly have to say that I missed that metabolic issue and didn't address it perhaps back when I could have even the year before. And he went on to right. develop a full-blown laminitis. They did not want to go through any surgical process. So we lost Cooper and it was very sad to do that. But I, I, in my students at school, I try to emphasize the idea that we have so many, so many successes, but we also have failures. So we need to address that that is going to happen. We have to see how we might be able to do better. And this got me a little bit more focused for my next case and next case to make sure that there's not more underlying conditions going on than just what you're seeing on the surface. Well, I hope you all found some value in today's discussion. We, John and I covered a lot of things. Dr. John and I covered a lot of things today, um, talking about sort of general Chinese medicine, how and when to find a practitioner. Um, we will, if you have any questions about Chinese medicine in general, probably the best source would be the Qi University website, which is chiu.edu. Um, you can find a lot of answers to your questions there. And John and I will be back the fourth Tuesday of every month uh, with hopefully guests and il illustrating cases and all that sort of thing. And uh, my quote for the day is all about intuition. It's when you know you know, but you don't know how that you know, but you know you knew, and that's all you need to know. 